0: Last week, we, we talked about some difficult things in here, and I think, you know, judging by faces, there were some people who were uncomfortable at different moments, uh, sometimes because we didn't like what was being said, sometimes because it was hitting home, and because of that, we didn't like what was being said, because it kind of, it made us look inside. I'm, I pray, I hope that it wasn't because I was actually saying something incorrect, uh, because I, I don't want to do that, obviously. I don't want to stand up here and mislead anybody towards what the word of God says. But I, I received, I, I knew pretty quickly afterwards that it was a bolder than usual message. Which for myself, um, I, I make my wife uncomfortable a lot when I get up here because we learned in our evangelism and discipleship class a long time ago that there are two different types of evangelists. There are the Barnabases out there who are very encouraging. Barnabas stands for son of encouragement, like very encouraging, very uplifting. And then there are the Pauls. And the Pauls are the ones who come out and they're like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you like it is. And you know, we were taught that you've got to have a mix of those. And admittedly, my bent, my leaning is probably more towards a Paul type of a person where I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you like I see it. And that terrifies my wife. Um, She is the, she's the balance that I absolutely have to have because when I run things by her, she's like, so maybe don't say it that way. Uh, I, I know you love the people in the room, but if you say it that way, they might not know that you love them. And so she, she's kind of my, my editor in that way, and it's, it's a great thing to have. But I knew that last week was a little bit bolder than some may have been because I received a phone call from my brother on the following day, who's a pastor in my home church. I received a message from an old college friend who, who I haven't, like, really conversed with since college, I mean, we've maybe sent a few messages to each other, but both of them were like, so that was some pretty straightforward stuff. Um, that That was stuff that needed to be said. Neither one of them were condemning what I said. Neither one of them were criticizing it. They were just like, so how did people respond in your church to what you talked about last week? And I said, well, at this point, I haven't heard anything negative, and there's no like moving truck out front, so... We seem to be doing okay there, but I also, I understand that it is really, it's, it's easy and it's tempting and, and sometimes good that maybe there were some things that you struggled with last week. And you know, maybe there were some things that you just flat out disagreed with last week or in any weeks prior to that. And I want to say what I said last week. I wanna say it again. I am more than happy and more than willing to have a conversation and to walk through those things that you're struggling with. I understand that I am human and I am fallible. And I understand that sometimes, even if I'm saying something correct, that it can be maybe a little bit more straightforward than it should have been when the relationship isn't quite there yet to get to that point. So I have an open door that, well, most of the time the office is open. That if you would like to just talk about things, I am more than happy to do that, and I would love to do that. This is not a, I said it, and that settles it, and you just got to deal with it type of a thing. I want us to have conversations. I want us to be able to be open with one another. You know, we've, uh, that, that's kind of the problem with what we've been talking about over the past several weeks with these unquestioned answers that we give to people is they're, they're very definitive. They're very, hey, don't even bring up a conversation about these things because this is the final answer. And if you question this final answer, there is something wrong with you. And in reality, when we look at them many times, the unquestioned answers that we give actually raise more questions. The conversation last week, which was longer than I intended it to be, but the conversation last week, I'm sure raised more questions in some minds. Uh, whether it raised questions about what I believe or whether it just raised questions about things that you've believed your entire life or recently, I'm sure that it raised more questions than it just gave a blanket answer, this is it and you've just got to deal with it type of a thing. And that's, that's how the other things that we're looking at, that's how they are too. You know, I keep bringing up this idea of our unquestioned answer that we love to go to in the church in so many different settings is God is good all the time and all the time God is good and we just say that's the blanket answer but it brings up questions in people's mind. Now I'm gonna tell you, before we're done with this conversation of unquestioned answers, I will talk about that one because I don't want to just keep putting, hey, I'm gonna put doubt in your mind about whether or not this is true. I believe that statement to be true. I just believe it to be a little bit incomplete and not able to fully answer the questions that people have. That's the issue with the unquestioned answers. So this morning, as I'm thinking about how I know that some people may have struggled with some things last week, um, you may you may be wanting to talk to me. You're like, I'm not sure if I should. Like, I don't want to make waves. This morning, I want to just I want to talk about that because one of the unquestioned answers that we get in a church is that you have to live at peace with everyone, which is sort of true and mostly true but not a complete answer to a question because we hear you're supposed to live at peace with everyone and what we often translate that to mean is, I need to go along to get along. I need to not make any waves. If I have an issue with something, then I just need to, you know, I just need to deal with it. I just need to stamp it down. I just need to let it pass. I don't want to be that person that's known as the whiner all the time. And, you know, that unquestioned answer actually comes from a biblical passage. It comes from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 12, verse 18. He says, As far as it is possible with you, live at peace with everyone. And so we look at that and we're like, "Well, that's it. That's pretty obvious, and it's fully true and incomplete, all at the same time." Because in our world, and the way that we have been raised, and the way that we have talked, living at peace has a very different definition depending on who you are and depending on what your background is. You know, we uh, in our country we have this thing called freedom of speech. And with the freedom of speech comes the right to protest, protesting being like I have an issue with something and so I am going to make it known that I have an issue with something. And a peaceful protest is a part of our rights in the country, it's a part of our freedoms that we, that we sometimes take for granted that we can peacefully protest things. So we have this little like, give and take here of in our mind often we're told that that we're not supposed to stand up we're not supposed to say anything because we don't want to make waves and especially in the church you're not supposed to make waves but there's how can you also peacefully make waves how can you peacefully bring up issues with things like it, it feels like those don't go together because we think of peace as everything's fine Everything's okay. Nobody's upset. Several weeks ago, in one of the first couple of weeks that I was here, we talked about, you know, as a as a church member, we we're supposed to seek unity. So when I told Sarah what we were getting ready to talk about today, she's like, "Wait, didn't didn't you already share this message? Like, didn't you already talk about this?" And I was like, "It's." It's a similar message, it's a similar conversation, but it's not the same conversation. Because when we were talking about unity, we were talking about the importance of listening to one another. We were talking about the importance of, you know, making sure that we understand where the other person is coming from. This morning I wanna talk about how do we go about when we actually have an issue that we feel like needs to be brought up. Because we are taught a lot of different things that you do when you start to have an issue with something. You know, in 2005, which I realize is 15 years ago, but that was the study I read, and I didn't feel like spending all my time doing another study on that to find something more recent, and I think the number's probably only grown, but in 2005, there were 800,000 registered lawyers in the United States of America, which came up to one lawyer for every 320 people in the United States. Which would help explain why the United States, by far, leads the world in lawsuits. People going up to one another and saying, "You did something to me, and so I'm going to sue you." I don't know how many times I've heard the conversation that, you know, this bad thing happened. Well, you should sue. You should, you should just sue them. That's the answer. Just sue them. Just take their money. Um, let everybody know that they were wrong. Just sue them. You know, most of us—I'm not going to say all of us—most of us would probably remember. Uh, Stella Liebeck, you might not recognize that name, but you would recognize the the lawsuit that she took to a company called McDonald's. Because Stella Liebeck, Liebeck, uh, Liebeck, I can't remember how to pronounce it, now that I said it both ways, I can't remember which way it actually goes. I just messed myself up. She spilled coffee on herself, and it burned her. And so she sued McDonald's, and she got just bashed in the media, bashed by, uh, if we had social media heavy back then, it would have been all over social media, that she was torn down for this. And there were those who were saying, yeah, that's exactly what you got to do. Take it to McDonald's. And then there were others going, you spilled the coffee on yourself. Why, like, did you not know it was going to be hot? And then there were the very few people in the middle that were like, well, they're, There is some liability on McDonald's part here, and there is some liability on her part over here, but now as a result of this, she walked away with $2.9 million and lifetime of scars on her lap, and... You know, we, we've walked away with a lifetime of having a conversation of what's the proper way to handle it when something goes wrong. We also now have warnings on blow dryers that say, do not blow dry your hair while you are in the shower and do not take this curling iron into the bathtub and curl your hair while you, like these things that we look at and we're like, how much more obvious can we get? I get a, well, I don't get a coffee at McDonald's because coffee's gross, but I get a latte at McDonald's which has a little bit of coffee in it Actually, they don't make the greatest lattes either. But I get a latte at McDonald's, and you know what it says on the cup? Caution, contents may be hot. And I read that every time, like, really? Well, that's good to know. It's kind of like, so... We get the, uh, we use Hulu, we don't actually use, our, use cable. So we use Hulu, and when you watch a show, you get the same commercial every single time when you watch Hulu, in between every break. And so we have so many times seen the Guard commercial. You know, the uh, poop in a box, send it back, and then they're gonna let you know if you have colon cancer, out of the deal. And so we watch this, and every time we're sitting there and we're watching this commercial, we're like, oh, what would it feel like? to be the postal carrier and have to pick up that box knowing exactly what you were taking back. But as you listen to the commercial, you start to hear like all of the, well, this may give you a false positive, Or it may give you a false negative, at which point I'm going, then why am I pooping in a box in the first place? Like, I thought the whole point was so that I would get an answer out of this. Or you listen to the the medication commercials, and they get to all the list of side effects that could happen with this thing. And oftentimes, one of the side effects is the very problem that you're trying to stop in the first place. And so you're listening to this, and you're like, so what you're telling me is that this thing might actually not work at all and I also might have all sorts of things that you guys do not want me talking about this morning. I feel like poop in the box, probably as far as we should go with that conversation. So, but we have to put all those warnings out there, even though many of them, now I do wanna know side effects, but I'm gonna count on my doctor at some point to tell me those side effects, but we have to get all of those out there in the first place to limit the liability of people taking us to court and getting ready to sue us. Because so often that's the way that we handle conflict. God had a very different plan for how we could handle conflict. Living at peace with everybody is not the same as I agree with everything you say, and if you hurt me, then I just need to deal with this, and I just need to get over it. What happens when we do that is that eventually it piles up And it piles up, and it piles up till we get to this breaking point where we just go off on the person that we're talking to. Or it gets to this breaking point where, and I'm talking in the church setting right now, we get to this breaking point where we're like, forget it, everybody in that church is against me, I'm out of here. When in reality, you had an issue with one person that you didn't handle, and you just let it get worse and worse and worse. It destroys relationships, it tears apart churches, it causes you to actually have unneeded stress because many times the person that you have the issue with, they don't even know that you have an issue with them. Like they just, they said something and maybe they were careless about it, maybe they weren't, maybe you just took offense at something that really wasn't all that offensive in the first place. We have to admit that sometimes that happens But they're walking around having no idea that you are losing sleep over this or that you are upset at them over this. We have a tendency when we get upset at somebody or at a group of people about things that instead of going to them, we have to get this out. And so we have a tendency to say, well, I just need some people to vent to, which is a great time sometimes to talk to your spouse and to let them kind of hopefully calm you down a little bit and walk you through okay now here's the way that we should take care of this but many times in the in the day in which we live our venting becomes social media and it's a well and let's go outside of the church the school system did this can you believe that they did this to my child Can you believe that that teacher is so incredibly mean? Can you believe that the the pickup didn't work? And instead of talking to the people that could actually do something about it, we get everybody else on our side, and we make sure. And it, it happens in the church, too. That's one example outside of the church. But in the church, I've seen so many times where somebody gets on social media and like, can you believe the pastor said that? And they start to get people on their side. Or can you believe that we we haven't sung a hymn in a month and a half? Or that we've only sung hymns for a month and a half? How many people can I find out that agree with me on this one? Or let's come back from social media a little bit. And instead, it's a something happens to you. Well, now I'm going to go to those five or six people that I think might agree with me on this one and I'm gonna let them know what happened, but I'm gonna report it from my viewpoint on things. I'm gonna talk about how I observed everything to go on this one. Because if I report how I felt and how I observed it, then there's a much better chance that they'll agree with me, and they won't even give the other person a fair shake, and I can get a bunch of people on my side. It, for a short period of time, it feels really good to do that, if we're just being honest here, it feels really good to have a bunch of people say, oh yeah, I cannot believe that happened to you. Or to to get a bunch of people to be like, oh the same thing happened to me. Or maybe a little bit more upset, I know the same thing happened to me, can you believe that, let's get rid of them. Let's just, let's just tear them down. Let's do the best we can to just make their life miserable until they give us what we want. And then we get what we want and it feels really good until a week later when they do something else and now we want something different. And now we've torn down a person. We've torn down a relationship. We've seen churches upon churches split because of things like this. Instead of doing what Jesus told us to do in the first place, which we're gonna talk about in just a moment. The other thing that can very easily happen is that we just become angry. Just however we choose to express it, we just become angry at the person. And Jesus actually, in, uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, what we refer to in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter five, if you wanna turn there, and then if you wanna put your finger over in Matthew chapter 18, that's where we're gonna spend most of our time this morning is Matthew 18. But in Matthew chapter five, Uh, Jesus says this, starting in verse 21. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. Can we all agree, for the morning at least, that murder is not okay? Okay, I'm I'm seeing head nods. I'm not seeing any, any head shake back and forth, so I think we're good on that one. If you disagree, love to have a conversation with you, or you can say it right now. That is okay. That would be bold to say that right now, but that is okay if you would like to point out that you think murder is okay. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment, which we... Most of us would agree that we feel like there should be some sort of judgment on a murderer. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Like now, like that, I've never murdered somebody in my life. I can unequivocally, honestly, you can do the background check, you can do as much study as you want. I have never murdered somebody in my life by taking their physical life. But I have allowed anger to build up inside of me towards somebody. And Jesus, as he often does, says, hey, this isn't about the action, this is about the heart. And if you're harboring this inside of you, you are prone to judgment, you will receive judgment also. Not from your neighbors, Not from the person sitting down the pew from you. You will receive judgment from me when I come back again. Let that sink in just how big of a deal Jesus just said it is when we hold anger towards somebody in our hearts. He compared it to murder. That's how big of a deal it is to him. If you call someone an idiot, who's ever called somebody an idiot? My hand's up. Nobody wants to admit it, huh? Okay, now we got a few more people like, yes, yes, I've done that. You're saying, I don't want to admit that right now because I have a feeling something bad's gonna come next. You are in danger of being brought before the court, and if you curse someone, you are in dangers of the fires of hell. Oh. Like, would it not be so much easier if we just ignored the red letters in our Bibles, don't you kind of feel that way sometimes? Like, oh, it would be so much easier if I just went with what I wanted it to say. Except that we know that it really wouldn't. Because we would get temporary satisfaction and we would get temporary happiness, and then a week later, we would repeat the whole cycle all over again. Jesus is trying to let us know, like, hey, this is how you can actually have the best life, the life that I planned for you to have in the first place. And it comes down to looking inside your heart. Now he starts giving us the instruction on how to handle this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now obviously, we don't bring sacrifices in the way that they brought sacrifices to the altar, but just real quick, I'm gonna hit on this. For them to bring a sacrifice to the altar may have meant that they traveled an entire day to get there. And then they're sitting there at the altar and Jesus is saying, if you're there and you remember that something has something against you, and I would say it's implied if you remember that you are holding something against somebody else, he says, leave it at the altar that you've traveled a day to get to and go take care of it now. He tells us if we've got an issue with somebody, to take care of it quickly, quickly don't let this continue to linger inside of you. Don't let this continue for any longer than it already has. Go take care of this. But how do we take care of this? Because we've tried a lot of different ways to take care of it, We try in the United States to take care of it by suing people left and right. We try to take care of it by jumping on social media. We try to take care of it by texting or calling our buddies and seeing if we can get them on our side and seeing if they feel the same way. We've tried to take care of it in all these different ways. Well, in Matthew 18, if you want to flip over there, Jesus tells us something a little bit different in the method of how to take care of this Starting in verse 15, he says, if another believer sins against you, so if another believer does something that causes you offense, that causes you pain, then this is what you do. Go privately and point out the offense. Now, I want us to step back just one step from here because I believe that there's another step that Jesus talks about at different times where first you need to deal with yourself. First, you need to look inside and be like, is this really something that I should be holding on to in the first place? Is this something that I need to just let go of? Is this something, what was their intent behind it? Which we can't fully judge, and I understand that. That's why you're going to have a conversation with them in the next step. But for now am I overreacting to this? And if you're at a point where you're like, you know what, I cannot let this go, the only alternative I have is to either talk to them or talk to everybody else, Jesus is very clear, you talk to them. He says, go privately and have a conversation with this person, or in his exact words, go privately and point out the offense. So go up to them. Don't jump on social media. Don't go to your women's prayer group on Sunday morning or Monday night or your men's prayer on Tuesday morning and say, guys, we need to pray for Bob because Bob is being a big giant jerk and this is what he's doing and so we need to pray for him. Don't turn prayer into a time to gossip so that you can get, guys, I need to handle, I need to handle my coworker because my coworker is a horrible human being that does all of these things wrong all the time. So please pray for me to know how to handle this horrible human being that does things wrong all the time. Now, if you want to go in and say, hey, I would like prayer for handling a situation that I feel like God is putting on my heart that I need to handle without giving all the details as to how the other person is a horrible human being and needs to fix all the things that they're doing wrong, then by all means, ask for prayer. But you don't pull the other person down in the midst of your prayer request. You go privately to them, and I would say you go face-to-face with them. We live in a texting, calling, social media type of world, and sometimes that is, that's all you can do. If they live, you know, I have a brother who lives in Oregon. If, if my brother does something to me over Christmas that I just cannot let go of, and I just cannot pass, I don't believe that I need to buy a plane ticket and fly all the way out to Portland to say, John, I didn't like the fact that you cheated in that game. Like, there's a, there are some extremes here that we don't need to go to to go face-to-face. But when possible, face-to-face, and this is from a, I'm not a counselor, but I've read books that counselors have written, face-to-face does so much better for understanding the emotional aspect of a conversation. I would love to just send a text to somebody and say, hey, so this happened earlier We need to work this out you know that's probably not how i would actually send a text but you're getting hopefully you're getting the point behind the text i would love to just go through it that way but the problem is is that a text can sound really really angry or judgmental or accusatory even when in reality you're like you feel great and you're just wanting to talk about something we love to put the little smiley face emoji at the end of everything just so everyone knows like hey, this is a really, really horrible thing that you've done to me, but I love you, smiley face. Like, we we put that on there to try and deaden the impact of what we're saying, whereas if we would just talk to them face-to-face, then they would actually just be able to see what we're feeling at that point. Now, in the day and age in which we live, face-to-face might mean six feet away so that you can actually take down the mask and you can see each other's faces, but it's still so much more effective than text or Facebook Messenger or Instagram or whatever it is. It's even more effective than a phone call, although I would say the phone call is probably a little bit better than the text. Because on the text, we can also sit there and stew over it for 15 to 20 minutes so that we can form the perfect comeback. Like, oh, this person thinks I hurt them that time. Well, wait till they hear this one coming in because I just waited 15 minutes to come up with it. I'm gonna show them. In a conversation, you just have to respond. And sometimes, sometimes that hurts, and we have to continue to work through it. Sometimes we need a break. I get that, yep. But we talk about it face-to-face, and we talk about it one-on-one. He says, go privately to the person and talk about the offense that they brought to you. Go privately, not... Go find out what everybody else thinks and then go privately one-on-one, but go privately and just talk to them. I can't imagine what it would do to my marriage with Sarah if she and I had an argument and I decided to grab 10 to 15 of you to come in and have our conversation about our argument that we had. Would it be tempting sometimes? Sure. Be like, hey, every guy feels this way. Like, bring them all in. Just have them walk in. Like, every guy feels, you know, whatever you want to put in there. Like, so just accept it. This is reality, and I'm right, and you're wrong, and let's move on. That would not be healthy for us, and it's not healthy for anybody else either. He says, go privately one-on-one, because if you can get through to them one-on-one, you have won that person back and your relationship can actually many times pick up right where it was but if you bring everybody else into it first now all of those relationships have to be restored back to what they once were and for you to maybe feel like you got it a little bit easier you just made their life a lot harder and you know sometimes we're sitting there like Well, good, I want to make their life harder. They just made my life harder. That's the whole point of this whole conversation in the first place. Like, this is called justice. This is how we get back at people. Read through those red letters. Getting back at people is not part of Jesus' plan for us. Jesus was the one who was on a cross when people were crucifying him, and his words were, Father, forgive them. Or they don't know what they're doing. Like he had the perfect time to say, wait three days and I'm coming for you. Wait three days and I'm going to get some revenge on you. You hurt me? Oh, just wait till you see what I'm going to do to you in just a little bit. Like he had the perfect opportunity for that and he did not take it. And you saw multiple times as you read through the Gospels that his disciples would just say these brain-dead things that we look back 2,000 years later and like, how in the world did they not figure this out? But Jesus didn't go up and stand in front of everyone and be like, hey, I want you to know my disciples are a bunch of idiots. They haven't figured this out. No, he went to them and he said, okay, you're not getting this. Let me walk you through this. Or you had this fight. Let let, Let me let you know how that makes me feel. You know, it goes all the way back to like the elementary age where they were where they were teaching us, or at least they were teaching us in Northwest Kansas way back then, that you started with, I feel when you, I want. It turns out they were on to something. Because that's a lot of what Jesus is telling us to do. Hey, this is what I felt when you did this. This is what I would want out of this deal but we also stop and we let them respond. That's where we go back to several weeks ago where, where we make sure that we give them time and we listen to their response. But okay, so, so what if what if the one-on-one doesn't work? Is that the point where we just throw up our hands and we're like, okay, well, I guess, I guess living at peace with everyone is just, I've gotta be miserable and they get, to, they get to be happy. They get to be a big giant jerk. I've just gotta let them step on my face every time I walk in the building. No. I'll just tell you that now. No. But if you are unsuccessful, now take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And I want to just put in a little bit here that I, I believe, again, lines up with the rest of what Jesus has taught us. That when we say we take two or three people with us, it doesn't mean that we necessarily go grab our two or three best buddies who are going to have my back no matter what. It means we take two or three people with us who are actually going to be willing to listen to both people and who can kind of play mediator so that as we're getting heated and we're throwing barbs at each other, they can be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's not how we do this. But they can hear the responses. They can hear the things that are said. I don't know how many times parents get to play the role of mediator. They are the two or three that get pulled into the sibling fight. And how many times have you, as a parent, if you have children, sat there and be like, are you listening to your sibling? Are you actually listening to anything they say? Or are you just trying to make sure that you're being heard right now? But I also know that as a parent, sometimes I have to look at one of my daughters. Judah, not so much at this point because he's two. But you know, I have to look at one of my daughters and be like, Keely, you're in the wrong here. Like you're upset, but you're in the wrong here and I have to help her see that. Or I have to do the same for Tegan and I have to walk through. That's where those two or three extra people come in handy because they get to help walk through it. What hurts admittedly, is when you're the one who brought in the two or three and they actually look at you and be like, um, you're wrong. I'm like, wait a second, why should I pick two or three other people? Why in the world did I pick these? I'm going to go get three more. Let's try this all over again. And I would love to say that it, that that's where it will always end. Unfortunately, it doesn't because he says, if the person still refuses to listen. Take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. Which is really, really harsh sounding. But I want to remind us of how we treat pagans and tax collectors. These people that sometimes we refer to as enemies. I don't think we should use that. Now, in today's world, tax collector, that that kind of loses a little bit of its, its flavor that it would have had back then. Understand that I know that a lot of us in here were not big fans of the IRS, but back then, the tax collectors were very well known for stealing as much of your money as they possibly could. And they were protected by the Roman government to do it. And so he's saying you treat them the same way that you would treat somebody who offends you and hurts you in that way, that they steal twice or three times as much of your money than they were supposed to be able to do. That's how you treat this person. That's a person that many of us would kind of consider one of our enemies, would we not? Yeah, I wouldn't want somebody coming in and taking all my money. So he doesn't actually say that you just have to to roll over and get over it. He says, treat them as a tax collector. But then in in chapter five again, in verse 43, he says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You can fill an enemy for tax collector. But I say, shh there it is again, those red letters, those things that Jesus said that aren't, aren't fun to read. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So what we're hearing here is that there really isn't ever that moment where we just get to bash the person. There really isn't ever that moment where I get to go on Facebook and just talk about all of the bad things that this person does and and how horrible of a person they are, there really isn't that moment where I get to treat them as a hated person. Because even if they're my enemy, I'm told that I'm supposed to love them and pray for them. Not necessarily go out to dinner with them all the time. Not necessarily, you know, sit right next to them and act like everything is okay. We know everything isn't okay, but we pray for them continually, and we don't just pray that they would see things my way, but that we would all see things God's way in this. I said at the beginning that I've seen so many people in the church, that just, they take offenses and they take conflicts and they just, they downplay them or they, they act like they're not there, or we're, just, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna handle this, we're not gonna deal with this because we're told that we're supposed to live at peace with everybody. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Rome and I'm gonna do my best to, to live by that and, and you know I'm supposed to pray for them and that's it and that's all I'm supposed to do, but Jesus says, no, that's not realistic. You've got to handle things and you've got to take care of things. You know, Jesus told us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And we're, we're told that in counseling. In premarital counseling, we heard that multiple times. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. But then we realize that sometimes we can't deal with this right now. Like we can't take care of this right this moment. There are still instructions that he gives us, he doesn't say, just let it slide. Because if we just let it slide, it just continues to get worse until the point that the relationship becomes so fractured that it becomes irreparable. Or we get to the point that we just, we have to blow up and we have to let other people know. It will happen. It's not an if it's going to happen. One of those things will happen. We deal with ourselves and if it's, if it's beyond us and it's not just me overreacting, or even if it is, even if I am overreacting, but I cannot let this go, then we have a conversation with the person. As a pastor, as a friend, as a, you know, a neighbor, I'm gonna be honest with you. If, if I get on social media and I see my friend's I see people in the church, I see them getting on there and just bashing people. I'm gonna be that uncomfortable person who messages you privately, not on the feed, and says, hey, hold up just a second. Is that what we're supposed to do? Not because I wanna catch you and I wanna be like, hey, you need to do better, you need to be holier than everybody else, but because I don't wanna see your relationships torn down. Personally, If I'm sitting there and I hear somebody who is just talking trash on everybody else because this person did this, you know what I'm wondering in the back of my mind? What are they saying about me when I'm not here? And so you're actually hurting our relationship at the same time. The damage that is done when we don't follow those words, those instructions that Jesus gave us is damage that we don't want to have to deal with the fallout of. He gave us pretty clear guidelines. And he didn't just give us guidelines so that we could have rules. He gave us guidelines to handle this this worry. You can call it conflict. You can call it disagreements. You can call it whatever you want to call it. He gave us those because he wants us to have the healthiest relationships that we can have. And he knows how we can get to those. Now, I don't know all the history of this church I'm learning history of the church. I wish that I could walk in on day one and I would just know, here's everything that's ever happened in this church. Here's every conflict that's ever gone on in this church and this is how it was handled. In reality, I'm not gonna know those things and you're not gonna know all those things because there are conflicts that are just kind of underneath the surface that we don't all know about. But I do know this. Some have been handled well and some have not but we don't have to hang on to the ones who have, that have not been handled well and say, well, that's just who we are. We can, from this day forward, decide that we are going to handle these things in the appropriate manner, and we are not going to just say, here is the answer, that we must live at peace, and if you have a question of that, you just have to deal with it. But instead, we can be bold, and it is, again, I know, it is uncomfortable. Sarah thinks that I love conflict. She does. Like there, there have been times where I've come home and like I've had a conversation with somebody that was kind of like this, and I'm like, I'm juiced. I'm like, yeah, this feels good. But it's not because I got to argue with somebody and it's not because I got in a few good ones on somebody. It's because I know that when we're having that conversation, we're actually getting somewhere and we're taking care of things and we're taking care of our relationship. Now, for a little while, the relationship might feel worse, But in the long run, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I know this is going to make things better in our relationship because we did what Jesus told us to do. So this morning, this is is how I want us to end. I know that there are some in here who have a grudge, if you want to call it a grudge, who have, you know, someone has offended you, someone has hurt you. You are in an argument with somebody and that person is in this room. Or, you have all of those same things with somebody outside of this room. I wanna invite you during this time to do one of two things. We're gonna actually sing a song that says, oh, come to the altar. And I'm gonna invite you that if you have something like that going on, to come to the altar and lay that down before Jesus and say, hey, I haven't handled this the way that I should, but I want to. And so I need to deal with myself. And Jesus, I need you to show me how to deal with the other person. If the person is in the room, I'm going to not say you have to do this by any means. Obviously, I can't do that anyway. And there may be some conflicts that this is not the time or the place to handle them. But if you feel like the Spirit is putting on you, take care of that now. I can only speak for myself. I wish that I could speak for everybody, but I can't. I can speak for myself and say, I am not going to look at you walking up to that person and say, ooh, I wonder what they're dealing with. Somebody might. Let's just be real, we're, there, there's humans in this room. Somebody might think that, but you know what? Here's what I would say if that was me. So what? If you're doing what it is that Christ is telling you to do and you're handling something that you haven't handled that needs to be taken care of, so what? Let them think, let them talk, take care of it. Take that uncomfortable step and take care of it. If you're not to that point, that's okay. We have these spots right up here. You can sit in your seat and you can pray in your seat. I don't. The altar itself, I'm not gonna say that it doesn't matter because it does. I believe that the altar is our way of saying, God, I am willing to take that step and I am willing to be a little bit uncomfortable and come up here and take care of this rather than the safety of my seat because following Jesus, is, <laughs> it's anything but safe. I'm willing to do that. So the altars matter but you can take care of it in your seat too. But don't walk out of here today still holding something against somebody without at least having the conversation with Jesus of how can I take care of this? I understand that sometimes you're gonna have the conversations with somebody, it's not gonna get resolved. And they're gonna continue to hurt you And you're gonna have to continue on a cycle. And there there may be conversations that go beyond today in this. I want you to know that, that your family is here for you. Not for you to gossip, but your family is here for you. For some, the person that you have an issue with might actually not be alive anymore. And you have to figure out a way to let that go. And that's why next week, Megan's going to stand up here and we're going to talk about that that wonderful word that starts with F called forgiveness. Because in the midst of all this, what we haven't talked about this morning is we have to forgive. So whether you want to come to the altar, whether you need to find somebody this morning, whether you need to sit in your seat, whether you're at a point where you're like, I think I can actually stand up and I can sing at this point. You do what the Spirit is telling you to do this morning, but don't ignore the Spirit.